and welcome to episode 781 of the Sleeper in the Blast. It is Wednesday, February 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, it's been a few days. How's it going? Uh, it is going. I got my draft spot in TGFBI. I could not be more unexcited about it. What'd you get? Uh, got nine. Yeah, I got 11. So we both kind of got, like, there's nothing. We got, we got the, uh, you know, draft will come to us type of things. And we'll have to kind of figure it out. From there. It's, it's it's essentially what we got in in uh, Tot Wars. We got ten, and and we're and we're on each end of it. So you know that's fine. I, I'm I'm okay being back there, and um, I'm not I'm I'm really not that that worried about it. It was like my twelfth choice, though. I think it was like my sixth, but oh, okay. I just I, I can't seem to get like a, the number one or number two pick this year. It's just not going to happen for me. It's just, it's just a no-go? Apparently. I mean, uh, I'll be stoked if like I get one or two in, in my main events this year, but uh, maybe that's what it is. Like It's just saving the best for last. That would be incredible. So that's I, I would not be upset to. by that. If that. Yeah, if that's when shit decides to pop off for you, yeah, that, that would be pretty, pretty great. So, um, all right, well. We've got some pictures to talk about. We did not go on Monday as planned. Things uh, just didn't work out with me traveling. And then I was in a room where, depending on where you stood, you could text. So I'm texting you like, hey, dude, still here, just doing all this stuff. Let's just uh, punt tonight because uh, I won't be available till super late. And then um, that was like when we were in this one meeting. So then we're hanging out, chilling at, uh, at dinner, and then going to go back to the studio after that. And you're like, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> I'm flipping out like, did you not get the messages? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we got to figure it out. And uh, we're working tonight here on, on Wednesday night. We're going to talk the top 35 pitchers. We're not going to go too hard on the first couple groups here because what more can you really say? That's It really starts to get meaty probably three groups in here. So let's just start with the top four. It is Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. If you want to follow around, follow along ADP style, uh, we're using online championship now. We've shifted from that to the draft champ from the draft champions to online championships because OCs have fab, and that changes the way you draft, and it's just different. When we used the DCs so early because there were so many more of those, it was a better uh, ADP. But now, even just using February 1st to, through the 19th, that's 23 OCs. That's a pretty good grouping right there mm -hmm. and i call it a top four and you could almost split them up into two groups because it really is cole de grom verlander scherzer um and then you can kind of flip them how you want you go to grom cole and you go scherzer verlander verlander scherzer so however you want it. that do you see those four that way as well they're all first round picks do you see them as two separate groups or could you take any of them could you take verlander or scherzer over the other two yeah i see them as two separate groups i, I see it as Cole, DeGrom, and then I see it as Verlander, Scherzer, Bueller. Oh, you so, got Bueller in there. That's Yeah, I actually have his group as, can I hang out with you guys? <laughs> because uh, he is so <laughs> close. He's so close to Max in ADP that it, it really should be a top five. I think you're right. I think that's actually the right way to group it. Yeah, I, I just see it as like tier one and then like tier one B. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I think they're all studs. I'd be stoked to have any of them on my team. Yep. I'm not ending up with a lot of Verlander and Scherzer just because 
if I miss out on Colin DeGrom, I'm typically taking a hitter in the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. But if I do end up with a wheel pick, I could totally see myself ending up with Verlander, Scherzer, Bueller at the wheel. I actually did a Verlander, Scherzer double dip on my draft champions team um, with, I think, I think it was the 15th pick. So, mm-hmm. you know, I felt, I felt it was, uh, you know, worth, I, I think the phrase that's been going around, I believe it was coined by Toby of Batflip, Batflip Crazy, calling them pocket aces, which as a yeah. pocket fan, I love it. I'm sure you're on board with that as well. And um, so, I'm yeah. I'm more of a pocket deuces strategy guy myself. Well, that, like... that, is, that is your strategy, <laughs> but the naming mechanism for it, I think, is great. So, um, yeah, I went with that at 15. And then my first four hitters, which were my next four picks, were Bogarts, Olsen, Muncie, and Bryant. So I really don't feel like I fell that behind. If I fell behind anywhere, it was power. But that's only if Olsen and Muncie don't give me like 70 homers, which I think that they're going to with an up, upward potential of 80. But anyway, we're not breaking down that draft. We're talking pitchers. I was happy to take those top two there. I'm with you. Any of the five that end up on any team, I am going to be happy with. Bueller backed up his rookie season. He was incredible. I think he's going to be a monster this year. I really, I know the Dodgers are meticulous and they keep everything kind of regulated. I don't think that they're going to not let Bueller throw 200 if there's no issues, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to purposely hold him back just to hold him back. I think if anything comes up, they will be smart and, and rotate a guy in. But it's not like they didn't let Kershaw throw 200 when he was at his peak. Um, and I know the game's changed a bit since then, since his peak, because you know, the last time he threw 200 was 2015. But I think Bueller can be a pretty reasonable bet for 200 plus this year, which you get those ratios mm-hmm. and that 29% career strikeout rate. Watch out. So those five, they're set. They're almost all first rounders. 15.17 uh, is Bueller's average. So he's barely, barely out mm-hmm. of the first round, but he regularly goes in the first round. So now let's jump down. And now this is where you really start to. Uh, open it up among the top line. And now you run another 10 to 12 deep on guys and you can start mixing and matching. I put the remaining aces as Jake, Jack Flaherty, Shane Bieber, Steven Strasburg. Uh, there are a few others that are definitely fantasy aces, but but I group them a little bit differently. This trio here includes two guys, actually three guys that that really popped off last year. And that's their first year well no 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 Bueller or excuse me excuse me Flaherty was excellent in 18 I don't want to I don't want to say that that 19 was their first great year but for Bieber and Strasburg it was really like a breakthrough year Strasburg because he had the health to go with everything and Bieber was building on a nice debut in 18 so how do you feel about this Flaherty Bieber Strasburg trio are you targeting any of them and if so which of the three it's unlikely I end up with any of these guys uh, not that I dislike any of them. I, I think that I'm just typically in the this part of the second round, I'm grabbing some sort of hitter. Uh, and so if I don't get a first-round pitcher uh, or one of those top five guys doesn't fall to me in the second round, I, I'm usually just kind of skipping out. Uh, I, I love Bieber. I, I love Jack Flaherty. I'm a little skeptical on Strasburg's health, uh, as we've talked about at length. Um, but I just tend to go with the hitter. And then because I don't think the difference between them and really the next couple tiers is that different. And so I'd rather just wait. Especially when you talk about price 
and the 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 risks mm-hmm. associated. So you got Flaherty, and I usually round. I did the fifteen point one seven with Bueller against Scherzer's fourteen point eight three to show how close. Usually just round. So you got Flaherty twenty three, uh, Bieber twenty six, and Strasburg twenty eight. There is a guy that's in that uh, group there, but I, I pushed him down a level to talk about the question marks here. And these are remaining aces mm-hmm. that that absolutely have the the potential to go crazy for you. In Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell. And Chris Sale. And Clevenger's that guy that's in between. He's actually seventh in between Flaherty and Bieber. And you might be interested to know that even since the injury, he's only gone down from seventh to ninth as far as pitchers have gone. There really isn't much of a discount. Folks are not that worried about the uh, torn meniscus issue that Clevenger's dealing with. Obvious question marks. One guy already going to be on the shelf, so he'll be on your main event team. And then Blake Snell (laughs) dealt with injury issues last year. Uh, on and off, and then Sale did too. And both showed flashes of excellence when they pitched, but uh, in all in all, they were disappointing years. So how do you value these three with the guy who's already hurt and the two guys coming back? Are these targets that you're looking at? Snell and Sale are. Clevenger is farther down my list than the ADP is allowing him to drop, heck, apparently. Heck yes, because I, I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. Like, and I know a meniscus, you know, a partial meniscus tear isn't very difficult to come back from. I'm more worried about how does this injury potentially affect his mechanics when he does come back. Mm-hmm. And because he, he's not necessarily a mechanically safe type pitcher anyways. Uh, we saw him have what it was like a peck issue last year, I believe, uh, that sidelined him for uh, quite that, a bit of time. I believe that was the early injury as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, you know... It's weird. Clevenger's injuries have not been standard. And mm-hmm. Standard meaning just normal arm injuries that that we run into a lot. Torn meniscus and and pec, you're not uh, you're not used to dealing with here. And so you know that 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 cut him out last year, and then he had a ankle in June as well. So he had two injury stints that really held him back. He does have that 200 inning year, so we know Clevenger when he's on, watch out. But this is now another injury that's going to at least eat up some time. It's unlikely that he would make it back before spring. I can't see any, or before the opening day. I can't really see any way that Clevenger gets back that early, even with a speedy recovery. Yeah, I just feel like he should be going in the, and this is actually like a really uh, interesting tier we'll talk about here in a little bit, but like Charlie Morton, uh, Noah Syndergaard, Tyler Glass, now Luis Severino, Zach Granke uh, are like, most of those guys have like injury histories mm-hmm. um, or injury concerns. Like I think that's like the perfect spot, the, but that's, that's around pick 60. And he's still, like you said, going what, like around pick 30 right now. Yeah, He's still around 30. Like, I mean, let me do, let me do it even closer, I guess. Let's just do, let's just do since like Sunday, 16 to 19. That's only going to be a handful of drafts. It's six drafts. Yeah. And Clevenger's eight. So he went up from eight, from yeah. nine to eight even. So I'm, it's like, He's living in this 25 to 31 range. Even with that, I am surprised. I expected some sort of discount with with Clevenger. Maybe not all the way to the 60s group that you're talking about, even though he would fit perfectly there with an injury already on the ledger and and just one in uh, season over 126 innings, which is what he had last year. But no, it's not happening. The, le- the, the market's saying you have to pay a f- pretty much full price for Clevenger, in which case... I'm out. Yeah, agreed. Between between Snell and Snail, who, Snell and Snail. I knew <laughs> I was going to make some up. Between Snell and Sale, uh, who is your primary? Who would you rather have fall to you at, well, when you're ready to take we, them? 
if we could get these two to have a baby and get a, uh, you know, a clake snail, I'd be <laughs> totally down for that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Snell just because I feel like he's a bit safer. Uh, but like what we in labor, we took sale, didn't we? Like that yeah. was so like I'm not opposed to either of them. I think they both offer gigantic upsides. Uh, I love where they're going kind of outside of this uh, group of like the second tier of aces. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that like late second, early third, um, I can land one of these guys. Or if I even get really lucky, you know, in something like TGFBI where I'm picking ninth, maybe I can snag one of these guys in the third round. Probably unlikely, but I've seen Sale especially drop that far. We, that's where we got him. I mean, that's we where we got him, him. yeah. Uh, 10th pick in the third round of a 15-teamer. So it can definitely happen. And we paired him with the top guy of this next group called Frontliners. And it's a bigger group. And and I think there are some some fantasy aces here. Um, they might not be what we call true aces, like the, the un- lockdown, unquestioned guys that we, uh, that we talk about. They all have their own little thing. But if they're your first pitcher, you're feeling perfectly fine uh, in most cases because you, you have some good offense and you're probably going to get a second guy pretty quickly. But again, it's Luis Castillo. He's at 38. Patrick Corbin, 44. Lucas Giolito, 49. Chris Paddock, 52. Kershaw, 54. Uh, Nola also has an uh, average opposition of 54. 56 for Darvish. and 60 for Morton. 61 for Syndergaard. So interesting group. Uh, you got some youth with Castillo, Giolito, Paddock. Uh, you got some middle, middle-aged guy, or, you know, middle-aged, not real-life, middle-aged of sports, because like Aaron Noll, I think, is what, 27, 28? So that would be, you know, kind of the the, the middle of where you're going as far as a uh, as far as far an athlete goes. Then you got some older, older guys. You got Morton, you got Kershaw creeping up there. And so it's a really intriguing group. Obviously, we like guys in here, but let's just start with the top guy, Castillo. Is there another level? I think there is, but I mean, I don't know that it's that hot, that much higher than he's always already done. I mean, he's been just outstanding uh, over the last few years. Uh, I know 2018 from like a surface numbers was disappointing, but, uh, you know, with the home run rate back in check, uh, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, probably a low three ZRA guy with, uh, you know, nice little strikeout boost that we saw last year. So, mm-hmm. I, I think he's a top 12 pitcher. I think, uh, and I think that he's probably, well, I guess he's, he's going as a 12th pitcher. Well, so, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's, you know, that's pretty spot on. Uh, I've grabbed him a bunch because I feel like he's the guy that's kind of left over in the third round uh, fairly often for me. Yep. So uh, I love pairing him with Sale and Labor. I felt like that was a really great strategy. You get the guy who feels we really sure safe. We either, in, remember? No. No, I mean that and, was the best part. Is like we mm-hmm. well, well, hopefully we get one of them, and we got Bowen. I and I think as we come around to March drafts, especially in the NFBC, we likely wouldn't get both Correct. of those guys I, or, or I either of those guys. So, but I, I do love pairing him with a guy that maybe is a little bit more risky. So pairing him with a Snell, pairing him with a, a Sale, pairing him with a Strasburg. If you're going to take one of those kind of riskier aces. Uh, it's nice to kind of you know wrap around it and pair a guy like Castillo who feels fairly safe. Let me point out that he's actually 27, and so I, I tabbed him as young and Nola as middle-aged. They're the same age, so that doesn't mm-hmm. really work out. 
Um, so yeah, they're you know they're 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 the younger guys of the group, but I guess Giolito's and Paddock are the young bucks here. Then the guys who have a few years under their belts would be the Castillo, Corbin, Nola, Syndergaard, Darvish, and then Darvish kind of straddles that line between uh, with Kershaw and Morton of like older, but certainly not old. Mm-hmm. Um, Corbin, I think he's like such a bona fide fantasy ace in that he totally backed up that that brilliant year that he had. Uh, when he went out to Washington last year, and he just, I mean, he, he's just quietly amazing. I have vir- virtually no reservations with Corbin. How, how do you feel about him? I, I'm very uh, confused by the projection systems, all having him, like, jacking up his ERA. Even the bat has him, like, over four ERA. Like, I, I, I don't understand, considering what he's done the last two years, how you can have him regress that far. I mean, they, they've got his home run rate going back up to 1.31. Uh, I vehemently disagree with that. I feel like Corbin is one of those guys that I see fall in drafts for no particular reason, and I have to assume that he still has this injury uh, mm-hmm. tag with him, which I don't get either because, I mean, what, two straight seasons of, of 200 innings pitched, I mean, even in 2017, he threw 189 innings. Like, this guy is a horse and a stud, and maybe it's because the other two pitchers on his team overshadow him a little. I think that helps uh, keep the price down, yep. Yeah, another guy who I think is a top-12 pitcher for me. Now, Giolito coming off the amazing year, and, you know, your first inclination is to to back that off a little bit. Just anytime someone's coming off a career year, the prudent thing to do is to to bake in some regression, especially when you look at how disparate things were from 18 to 19. Again, I've said this on the show before, but quite literally the worst pitcher in baseball in 18, when you factor in how many innings, he had a full season, 173 as a 613 ERA and 148 whip. Like, Come on, that is the worst pitcher. You can find somebody with a higher ERA, but far fewer innings. So, um, and then he comes around, and Giolito has this brilliant turnaround, which we come to learn was pretty much his own making. It wasn't really like coaching getting in his ear and saying, you, "Perhaps you could do this, that, and the other." It was him going out and and figuring out, you know, I got to go here, work out with these guys, figure some stuff out with these uh, mechanical issues and this statistical stuff. Really encouraging that that he was able to do that to maximize what was expected of Giolito. He came in with obviously all the uh, the pedigree and expectation, and it was starting to look like you know even though he was only 24 going into last year, it was hard to have any real confidence in him. And the best that he was was mostly like a last three round draft pick for reserves. So kudos to those who stuck with him. Um, a lot of folks got him off the wire too, and and got a lot of benefit from that. What does Lucas Giolito do for an encore after 341-106, though? Can it get better? I don't know that it can necessarily get better. Uh, it's so hard to kind of figure out, like, where he's going to be after that huge— I mean, like you said, from worst pitcher in baseball to one of the best. Uh, the second-half numbers are really interesting and weird. I mean, the home run rate— just went through the roof Mm -hmm. uh but he was getting more strikeouts at the same time uh and the walk rate went down and so it's like well was this just a you know getting unlucky thing or or just missing his spots because he wasn't used to pitching so many innings uh in a season uh it's it's so difficult to figure out i think 
and, and the fun thing is the projection systems are all over the fucking map. Of, so, of course they are. When, like, when you take something like that, mm-hmm. because even if you go the third year out, 2017, he's got a 238 there, albeit for just uh, 45 innings for Giolito that year. But that mucks it up even more. He's literally, the, the uh, first year, 16, a 21 inning sample. So he's 675 there. 238, 613, 341. That's why ERA by itself is, is very difficult to use. But K minus BB, a much more, uh, that strikeout minus walk rate, mm-hmm. a percentage, was minus one, LOL, 12%, 5%, 24%. That bounces around just as much as the ERA, to be honest. So I guess in this case, ERA, it was actually indicative of, of, of how well he was pitching um, with, with Giolito. Give us some rundown on what the uh, what the projections have as far as how crazy they are bouncing from one to the other. So, I mean, they all have him with, you know, what, double-digit strikeouts per nine. Okay. Uh, but the this is the ERAs. Uh, the bat has him for a three nine five ATC four eleven depth charts four or sorry three seventy four steamer four twenty six zips three twenty two. Oh wow! Like you know all you know what's even over the effing play. <laughs> the uh, the whip range yeah one oh seven to one twenty seven, and that goes from zips on the low end to steamer on the high end. Yeah, that's interesting. I I come out. I come out um, around depth charts, 374, 117, yeah. you know, because that's just, I, it's the middle one. It happens to be the middle one of these projections. But that is kind of where I'm at. I'm pushing the ERA up a little bit, and I'm pushing the whip up a little bit. I still think I'm getting a ton of strikeouts. And Giolito's another guy I believe could push 200-plus innings this year. We talked about it with Bueller. I think that the White Sox are definitely in a position where they would not be averse to giving a healthy Giolito uh, that kind of workload. So – you know, give me some volume there. I'll give back some of the rate stats to get a, a workhorse of, of 200 plus innings, which I think you can get. By the way, since I did mention Giolito and health, little soreness in his rib cage, strained chest muscle, not supposed to be anything. A lot of these early season stat, uh, uh, early season injuries that are even before spring training games kick off, people can overreact to them. Be careful mm-hmm. not doing that. There was a little bit of a mild lat strain at the end of last year. Maybe this is some carryover from that. It's not nothing entirely, but it's more of just keep an eye on it. Don't make any moves right now. I'm still drafting Giolito with full confidence. And if things change as he starts pitching in the um, Cactus League, I believe the White Sox are out in uh, Arizona, then then I can react. But as it stands right now, I'm not changing a thing on Giolito despite this news. But I did want to put it out there in case somebody said, why didn't you even mention that? The thing I am doing with Giolito, if I do take him, I'm not averse to him. I, I mean, I have, I think I have him ranked 16th. So obviously, I'm in on the Giolito train. I am going to pair him with a safer starting pitcher, though. So he's I think that's not, fair. yeah, he's not a guy I'm going to like take with Luis Severino or Strasburg. He's a guy that I want like a Luis Castillo or a Patrick Corbin or even like one of the top, you know, guys. I want to I want to have kind of just a just in case like there is some massive regression. Um, I, I want another guy to kind of stabilize my ratios. No, I think that that's uh, that's completely fair and and smart to do. You know, you wouldn't want to necessarily go Giolito glass now or something like mm-hmm. that. I think that would exactly. be uh, a, a, of major concern to be careful. Um, Chris Paddock, young young buck, excellent excellent season last year. It, it, it's so nice when a plan comes together. You know, he had mm-hmm. that big spring training that basically forced his way in the door. And he 
he, he backed it up. And I think we've talked on the show before about how his uh, um, game log can be a little bit misleading. He's kind of like a Jake Odorizzi in that aspect, a, a much higher version of it. But where you, where you could group a, a, a bunch of starts together and make it look a lot worse, but if you really just kind of look at it in more detail, it's an isolated four-start run in the beginning of August where he really got knocked around pretty consistently in all four. The, the best of that bunch was a baseline quality start against Colorado, six innings, three runs. Otherwise, he gave up six, four, and six. And so, yeah, he did get knocked around. But then he ended with four gems in which Paddock only gave up two earned in 23 and the third. So all in all, he was great. He's uh, refining the third pitch, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe uh, curveball is the, what he's working on. If he gets that to be a big-time offering, or, or at least something that is more than show me to go with the fastball changeup, I mean, that could that could just totally send him to another level. And we'll see the innings go up. I think they're targeting around a buck eighty for him uh, with Paddock uh, on the Padres. I think I, I think I've come around on him because he was a guy that I, I came in feeling like I wasn't going to necessarily be there with Paddock. Now I kind of am. Pick 52. If it fits and I need a pitcher there, I'm comfortable taking Paddock there. Are you? It's weird because usually these younger guys uh, that have only done it for one year at the majors are the ones I feel that are more risky. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like Paddock is super safe. Right? Doesn't he feel um, that way? I, I've, got, I've gained that feeling and I don't quite... Mm-hmm. understand it but I, like, I, I i would feel pretty good coming out of my first two starting pitchers with paddock and giolito mm-hmm. like and not having to have spent like a top you know three like you know loading up my offense with three straight um uh, guys uh, or uh, offensive guys and then being able to get pat or uh, giolito and paddock uh i would feel really really good coming out of my first five rounds of a draft like that uh and i feel like everybody's down on him. E- even the projections are weird. They have his home run rate regressing, but the ERA going up. And, like, they don't really have, like, a huge jump or anything in this walk rate. I mean, outside of Steamer does a little bit, but not not huge. It's huge for him because he doesn't walk guys. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're really giving him room for potential to for growth. Like, I think this is a guy that tired out last year. And this year he's going to be, I think, a, just a you know a little bit stronger. Know what to kind of expect. Uh, like I said, the the Padres will probably let him go deep, you know, or let him have a few more starts. Uh, I think most of the projection systems have him around one sixty eight, one sixty six in terms of innings. I think that's fair. Yeah, um, that's fine. And I think you're, you're going to get like a low to mid three ZRA with you know a strikeout inning. I think that's great. I, I totally agree with that with regards to Paddock. Uh, even the comment you made about hitting the wall, mm-hmm. some might counter saying, well, that, but he had those four great starts. No, no, that rookie wall is generally August. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of times you hear that the dog days for a reason, and, it, and that's when the guys really get hit with it, even veterans, but the rookies in that first season where they're like, oh, shit, we still have two more months of this? Are you kidding me? So to have those first uh, four starts of August be so awful for Paddock, that really does scream rookie fatigue. Found a little juice uh, to finish strong, but I could totally understand that being uh, part of what, why he struggled there. I'm in, so I really don't think we need to say anything else there. We're, we're both really in here at this price. I don't think it's a, a super uh, cheap price, but it's a rate that I'm more than willing to pay at pick 52, and if I get him anywhere near that max pick of 71 from Chris Paddock, mm-hmm. I am so, so in on that. 
let's talk the grandpas and uh, <laughs> Kershaw, Morton. And I, I, I will actually kind of put Darvish in here. He's 33, so that's that's starting to be grandpa-esque in, in sports. And so um, you've got three guys here that, you know, Morton's doing his best work in his mid-30s here these last two years. Kershaw, everyone was terrified of him last year. Uh, I wasn't. I'm just saying. Just saying. That, that's no big deal. I'm just saying. I, I, I never get anything wrong, so I have to talk about it every time I get things right. Um, but, no, I, I you know, I did think it was a little bit overblown. I, I made that clear. Uh, I got plenty of other things wrong, but this was one where I was like, I'm still going to bet on Clayton Kershaw. I'll take my 165 innings, and it'll be fine. I got 178 instead and uh, and great ratios. And then Darvish with the over-the-top insane second half that was fueled by a massive change in his command and control. So you've got those three oldies at their prices, uh, which are pretty pretty close actually we'll just say at their price because even with darvish at 57 the other two um morton at 60 and kershaw at 54 they're all kind of together at that price range there that, that that six pick range who are you taking i'm probably leaning kershaw okay just because i feel like the floor is so high but i i, I honestly i feel the same about morton too like it like I, I'm probably I mean, I'm either taking Morton or, or Kershaw, and not that I dislike Darvish. I just, you know, we've seen kind of the ups and downs with him over the course of the last few years. For sure. Uh, so like I just feel like there's just that tad bit of 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 the, or a lack of safety necessarily. But again, like roster construction, if I've taken a safe pitcher already, you know, if I've got a Walker Bueller, then I'm totally down for the upside of Darvish. Yeah, and I. I I like Darvish a lot. I went out, ranked him quite high on my last update. I think I had him 14th. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna trickle down a little bit there as I've done a bit more research, a few spots down there. Someone pointed out that I, I had Luis Castillo, Lucas Giolito, and Luis Severino in order. And just the, the three guys with the LU, uh, they said, you ranked them like that because it looked cool. And uh, they weren't entirely wrong. Once I had them there, I was like, that does look cool. Too bad Giolito wasn't also named Luis. That would have been perfect. But um, I think maybe I didn't want to break that up, which is such a stupid reason to not change a ranking. Not that it would greatly, greatly have changed the rankings. Maybe I would have moved Darvish down to like 16. Uh, by the way, it was Darvish 14, Castillo 15, Giolito 16, Severino 17. So there might be a little adjustment there, and I might have to break up the three lose um, as far as that goes. But with the older guys... Still going to bet Kershaw. That's still going to be my bet. I'm going to have no problem going back to the well with him because I know, or I, you never really know, but I feel confident that whatever amount of innings I'm going to get, they're going to be good. So even if things go sideways and he dips back down to the 149 that we saw in 2016 from Kershaw, even if that's what I get as far as an innings count, they're going to be good innings. So I'm still going to go with, with Kershaw first, even though Morton now is out here dropping a buck 95 last year at age 35 and Darvish uh, they, he's throwing high innings counts. So it's weird that we're both going with the lower, lo the lowest likely innings count of the three, but that that's where I'm at. So Kershaw is going to remain above Darvish. Darvish is going to move down a, a trickle in my rankings. And then, uh, and Morton was already, so Morton was already ahead of him. Anyway, it was, it was actually Kershaw, Morton, Darvish. They were ranked 12 to 14. Darvish going to pull a little bit further away from them. I still like him. I just think I like Castillo and Giolito a little bit better. And our talks about him actually just now makes me even more confident in that adjustment for my next set of pitcher rankings. So 
One last guy in this group here. Or no, two more. Uh, Nola. I mentioned that I, I get the warm and fuzzies now about Paddock uh, and, and just kind of a new thing. On the other end, for some reason, I can't get juiced about Nola. And I don't know. I think I might be off on that because you want to talk about like, you know, uh, workhorse back to back 200s now. And so I think I'm carrying over some of the early injury stuff with him and not giving him full credit for 212 and 202 the last two years and the strikeout rate continuing to rise. So talk to me about Aaron Nola and, and what I might be missing, because not only did I not do I not really get the warm and fuzzies, I dropped them all the way down to 27. And I think that that probably needs to be amended. I'm, I'm, I'm open to uh, hearing the case on Nola. I feel like what we saw last year was the floor. Like the walk rate ran up, the home run rate ran up, and he still had a three eight seven ERA. Like it, it was still pretty good, and and I mean even got a little strikeout boost. So uh, I feel like we're gonna get some positive regression this year. Uh, the projection systems seem to mostly be on board with that, and yeah. he should be a mid threes ERA guy. Uh, with obviously, like don't get me wrong, obviously two thousand eighteen is the outlier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, two thirty-seven point ninety-seven for Nolan, two twelve of innings. I also think that you know, once you show a skill, you own it, and I think there's a chance, maybe with some like good BABIP luck and uh, you know, just some homer luck and things like that, you know, strands a few extra guys, you know, he could get back to something like that, you know, a, a high twos, mid twos ERA. Uh, so like, I think that's in the project or I think that's in the, the realm of possibility. And so the my, fact my that only... he's going, no, no, you I... continue. Sorry. You continue. I apologize. Well, I, I just feel like that, you know, that's the up, you know, that's the upside. It, it's unlikely for sure. Yes. But like it, it's, it's in the realm of possibility. And I don't feel like the ADP is reflecting that at all. No, I, I think that's fair because it is in the realm. He has done it. We can't we can't sit here and pretend that that there's no possible way that uh, that Nola could get back to that kind of excellence, even if it's not all the way down to two three seven, just something below three, is certainly exactly. possible. The one thing that you mentioned on that I did lavitate uh, lavitate gravitate wow. towards <laughs> lavitate. I was I was lavitating. I was levitating. Um, was the Babip good luck? And boy, would he really need some good luck because mm-hmm. that infield defense is still poor. And that's what that's what concerns me with Hoskins, Segura, Gregorius, Kingery. Now, Kingery, but, go ahead. I was gonna say it's a little bit better though than last year. I mean, Kingery playing third or second, and then Segura moving off short with Gregorius coming in. Gregorius has been, you know, a fully healthy. Gregorius should be a pretty good defender up the middle. I think better than Segura as well. So he mm-hmm. he may actually get a boost there. Kingery could be an outlier where he could kind of flip it because uh, there's not a lot of the like outs above average information on him with regards to uh, third base because he was playing a lot of outfield last year. So if he is like a defensive stalwart at third, now your left side is a bit better. So maybe that maybe it is isn't. there is a, a an outcome for Nola that the, the Babip does come back down because it's at 295 last year. It was 251 in the golden year. But it doesn't even have to to be good and to be worth more than 27, which is where I had him ranked. He's definitely someone moving up in my next rankings, which which need to come out very soon. So uh, yeah. let's, let's try to get that done next week, I, I think. I, I got Nola at pick 68 in Barf and felt pretty stoked about that. See, so, I, would, I, would be ha- that, I would have 
I would have definitely bought him there too. And like I said, I'm not, I haven't been feeling great about Noah. I agree with you. That's a good pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right. Uh, some of the last guy here might be my absolute favorite in this. Well, that's not true. I love Luis Castillo, <laughs> but I'm obsessed with Noah Syndergaard too. Everyone that's ever listened to this show understands that. I've talked about how I can't quit him. I'm not going to quit him. I have no intention of quitting him. We're married, and so. I'm still sticking with him. And, you know, I understand that last year was not great. 428, 123, that's not what you paid for. It came with a 197 and two-thirds, which is good. The The strikeout rate is underwhelming at 25%, which seems unfair. But look at where the rates are and his raw stuff. It was saved by the volume. And so he still had 202 strikeouts. So I was fine with that. But, man, when you watch Syndergaard when he's on, you're like, yes. He should be this virtually every start. And when he's off, you're like, I don't get it. It's so annoying. How are they hitting this? What it's normally been has been meatball fastballs and and sliders that uh, that that hang a bit, even when they're coming in at that speed, even with with break. It, they're like thigh high. I think it's thigh high sliders that uh, that drive Nick Pollock crazy. Going to be 27. New new uh, pitching coach and Jeremy Hefner, former pitcher, if you remember the name. Are you buying Syndergaard this year? Who? Uh, I think he's one of those guys like Giolito for me, which I'm is I'm totally fine to have, but I want another like safe ace uh, in that regard. So I feel I'd like love there's for a, him to be my two. I would love that. Yeah, like that's I, I, like he, he could even be my one, but then I'm going and getting like a Zach Greinke or Jose Barrios. That's a good uh, pairing. You know, in, in order to just shore up. You know the the downside that Syndergaard has. That being well, especially said, especially with with Grinky, the ratios, mm-hmm. because if Syndergaard kind of does what he did again this past year, or is around that where the ERA is a little underwhelming and the whips, the whip was still pretty good at one two three given the the ERA. But if you say a high threes and and a mid one twos on the whip, you get Grinky's ratios that plays a lot better. They kind of they kind of marry nicely there. Good call. Yeah, I feel like there is real potential for a 2000, 2018 kind of season for him. Yes, you know? for for the full year. Or, or, I mean, really a 2016 season. Yeah, for like almost 200 innings of like a, a two, you know, two seven, two eight ERA uh, and like a, a big strikeout rate. And uh, like, I feel like it's, I feel like the the possibilities there, and maybe it's just the flowing blonde locks. And I mean uh, that helps for Thor, but but all the all the underlying metrics, all the stuff mm-hmm. is there. He he checks out brilliantly on stuff grades. You know he's got the mid nineties heat. He's got the devastating slider. He's got a quality changeup. Like it, it's it's all there. Yeah, and so he even it, comes, it almost you know makes, grades out well in command plus and like, yeah. I feel like it's a matter of time before it all comes together. And we have one of those just huge years from him. Uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe it's not. But I, I'm willing to take the shot, especially, like I said, if I've got that safer ace uh, to kind of pair along with him. And like I said, it doesn't need to be, uh, you know, Bueller or Cole or DeGrom or, you know, one of those, you know, Scherzer, one of those guys. Like, mm-hmm. it can be, like, even a guy going behind him, but it's got to be a guy I know I'm going to get innings from and I know I'm going to get fairly safe ratios from. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair with regards to Thor, but I'm still buying in, buying big. 
can't wait. And uh, and hopefully this is, uh, like you said, the return to, uh, what was it, 16, when he had that great season. And mm-hmm. it, it could be for 200-plus innings, too. It's all there. It's all there. Going to our next group, which is uh, some twos, young and old. These are guys that uh, you you can start your rotation with everyone that we've talked about thus far. Think that you probably shouldn't start your rotation with these guys unless you get two of them or, or two guys mm-hmm. very quickly. And that's Tyler Glass now going at 62. Luis Severino on average at 62. Granky, I want to say 69, but if I'm rounding, he's technically going at 70, which is <laughs> less nice. Brandon Woodruff at 81. Jose Barrios at 83. Uh, and, then, and then we'll cut it there. We'll talk about those five. So, like I said, you got young and old. You only really have the one old guy. Otherwise, it's it's some pretty youthful. It's a pretty youthful group with Glass now starting to show a breakthrough last year. Severino, excellent before eight uh, nineteen, but injury snuffed out his season. Woodruff t- cut down by an oblique, but was pitching brilliantly. And Barrios kind of becoming like you know just that solid, boring workhorse, almost like a right-handed Bumgarner for his era. Well, well maybe not. That's a little bit too high because Bumgarner's ERAs were really good when because of San Francisco. But just you know, 192, 200 the last two years doesn't really get a lot of fanfare. But mm-hmm. you know, when you put Barrios on your team, he's good. And I, I actually let's start with him actually because I still think that there could be another level. I understand it. Yep. It's unlikely that it would just pop out of nowhere. I do think he would have to show some improvements, whether it's the refinement of a pitch. Maybe the uh, uh, the changeup or something to that degree. I don't think it just comes out of nowhere. But the dude doesn't walk, guys. He has a solid strikeout rate. Nothing egregious about a one one seven home run rate. It's it's not elite, but it's not terrible. I don't know. Like, how come nobody really talks about him in a glowing manner? It's always kind of like, ah, eh, he's good, but fuck off. I mean, that, like, <laughs> I feel like Barrios gets the short end. He totally does, and I don't understand it. I mean, we're now talking about a guy who's going to have, you know, he's had two straight seasons of at least 192 and a third innings, uh, you know, went over that 200-inning uh, mark last year, uh, you know, typically throws about, you know, strikeout per inning, 25% type, you know, strikeout rate, uh, good ratios. I mean, you know, not great, but good and, and fairly in line with kind of, uh, you know, FIP and XFIP and, I, but I do. I agree. I feel like there's another step. And have people forgotten he's 25? Yeah. yeah. This will be his age 26 season, too. He's just kind of coming into his own. Mm-hmm. I, like, again, I don't get it. And this so was I'll, an I'll... elite prospect. Like, yes. this was the best pitcher in baseball prospect for uh, quite a while. Uh, I think part of it is prospect fatigue and people forgetting how young he was when he debuted uh, in 2016 for the Twins. Sure. Uh, I think there's another level. I think there is obviously the upside of a guy who like jumps into like the top 10 pitchers. Uh, and I think that he's one of the safest guys, especially in this tier. Uh, and really, you know, comparatively speaking to a lot of the guys ranked above him, that's why I said that, you know, I'd love to pair him with like a Syndergaard or a Darvish, uh, you know, or even a Giolito, you know, as, as a guy that, you know, you know, he may not kind of blow, you know, the doors off, you know, the place, but he's going to deliver you a lot of innings with, you know, good ratios and strikeouts. Um, and there, I think, is a potential for more. And so uh, Barrios is a guy that's going to end up on a lot of my teams, has already ended up on a lot of my teams. 
um, that I believe I like better than kind of uh, the consensus uh, ranks out there for the most part. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to end up with a lot of uh, Brios. Yeah, it was it was a week or two ago. I was I was kind of trolling around. Uh, looking at my rankings and just looking at different players who caught my eye and Barrios was somebody I, I pulled up and dug into his page and I was just like how come we just kind of like act like okay he's just there whatever and no, nobody's out there making the case that there's another level here um, like I said you know refine that change up or even uh, my pitch value the curveball was actually a negative last year although that is kind of the pitch that everyone knows it for because it's a big mm-hmm. uh, sharp breaker Maybe if that turns up a little bit, the fastball has been carrying him. So there's a step here for Barrios. You don't even have to draft him assuming that the step comes, though. If you pay this price of 83, you're doing fine if you just get the same season again. But you are also buying a potential for more. Mm-hmm. All right, next group. Oh, wait, no, not next group. <laughs> he was the last guy, so I thought he was. I thought that was the next group. <laughs> we started with him, though. Glasnow, Severino, Granky, Woodruff. We've kind of talked a lot about Woodruff, so I'm not really going to get too in-depth about him. Um, I know he's been a big topic of discussion on Twitter. I'm buying. I'm I'm a sucker for guys that uh, kind of going back to Brios. I'm a sucker for guys who have strong fastballs, and that's definitely something that Brandon Woodruff has. 96 mile per hour heater that does a lot of his work, but I don't think his slider is nothing. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm I'm certain that it's not. The changeup in and out, not a great pitch right now. Do think there's more. There's questions about the innings, which. I don't know, an oblique slowed him down. That doesn't strike me as somebody who can't do the innings. He just didn't get the opportunity to last year. I'm still buying uh, Brandon Woodruff. If you really want to give one good reason why I'd be a little bit less inclined to do so, it'd be the switch from Yasmani Grandal to Omar Narvaez. But that's really it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I know we've talked about him, so we don't have to go too deep. But are you not in on the uh, Woodruff experience as well? I am in on Woodruff, uh, but again, uh, one of those guys that I don't feel very safe about his floor. So I, I do want to pair him with a a safer guy, uh, you know, as my, you know, we, so I think that there is a reasonable expectation that, you know, takes a nice inning jump. Uh, the question is, are we buying the 166 from ATC or are we buying something like the 183 from, you know, uh, Steamer? I'm feeling 180, you know, obviously health permitting, uh, duh, but like, I don't see any egregious issues that would make me think that he can't, that mm-hmm. Brandon Woodruff can't go out there and 6'4", 215 and handle a big workload. In fact, I think they're going to ask him to as well because I he is their, to. yeah, he's their guy at the, at the front end and that bullpen is thinned out a little bit. They still have Hader. They're going to get Knable back. They've got a few guys here and there who are interesting, like Peralta and Burns who could lengthen it, but we don't know yet. So right now that bullpen and even the um, even Knable isn't back yet. So right now it's Hater and his merry band of uh, of idiots here, and we'll see we'll see what they can do. None of them are idiots. It was just a <laughs> stupid thing I came up with, but I, I think Woodruff has got 175, and and that's what I'm banking on from him, and and going from there. And I think that'll be good. So I know I said we wouldn't spend too much time, and then we talked about him. Glasnow, Severino, Grinky, two young, one old. Uh, two injured, the steady workhorse. We've made the joke a million times, but we're very close to the day that Granke will be throwing 74 miles an hour on his fastball Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to lose their shit. Um, I know you like the two young guys. You you drafted them and and hyped them up in the past, including Severino on your main last year. But how do you feel about Granke? You just mentioned how you'd pair him with like a Syndergaard. Are you only pairing him with somebody who's a little bit 
more uh, volatile with their with their floor, or would you pair him with a, a more firm guy? Like you, you believe in Castillo quite a bit. Would you ever mm-hmm. go Castillo, Granky, or are you definitely shifting to a Glass now or Severino if all three are there and you have a Castillo? I'm typically only grabbing Granky when I'm feeling less than comfortable with the starting pitchers. And like, this isn't fair. Like this is total ageism and bias and uh, we do it every year, but like, I'm going to be honest. Like I, like there is something scary about a guy who throws 40 miles an hour. (laughs) Um, That's why Hendrix remains cheap. Despite putting it up year after year after year. And it it may, you know, and honestly it shouldn't affect me the way it does. Uh, And uh, maybe like I have zero shares of Zach Greinke thus far. Uh, And, there's no guarantee I will have any shares of Zach Ranky, but I should like I should get a few shares just because like he is like he's a classic. <laughs> yeah, he really is a classic. Like he doesn't walk anybody. He's got a deep secondary arsenal, three pitches that he uses 15% plus. So even as that fastball does dwindle, and we make jokes about how slow he throws, it's because every spring training, for those that don't remember, we're getting readings of like literally low 80s. Like we're, we're exaggerating when we say 40 and stuff like that, but it is low 80s. And everyone's like, oh boy, here it goes. The bottom's going to fall out. And he works his way back up to his regular 90 to 91. He was at 89.9 last year. And everything else is good, is so good, the secondary stuff. So I agree. He's super underrated still. Um, and even at a pick of 69.96 for Grinky. It's probably too low, but the ageism will win out. I think it's because if he if he flops this year, even though it's not accurate to say this, it's like, oh, well, I should have seen it coming. Duh, because yeah. he's 36. And well, it's like, you'll, you'll definitely hear that. Like, what do you yeah. expect from a 36-year-old yeah. guy? No, just, and I would say yeah. I would say I expected somebody with the, arguably one of the best track records in the game right now as far as the depth of it and the quality of it and the skills that support it. I expected him to go out and pitch well again. So He has not had an ERA over 3.21 or thrown less than 200 innings since 2016. Well, like how yeah. many pitchers in baseball can say that? Not many. And and then if you if you kind of isolate that year and say, okay, first year with the Diamondbacks, suffered an injury, did not pitch well, homers were flying. And then, uh, you know, you count it, but but you isolate that a little bit. Then you go back, there's another five years of brilliance. So mm-hmm. he's really been brilliant in eight out of nine. And when everyone thought that 16 was the beginning of the end, he backed it up with three 200-plus inning seasons of great work, including a 293 last year. And he's with Houston now. And, you know, everything that you want to say about them cheating and all that, like, it's not, they're not just using pine tar to make pitchers better. Whatever you want to think, if they are using something for grip, that's not the only thing that's making their guys better. Their analytics, they know what they're doing. So I think Granky's going to have a good season. He's had two bad years since 2007. Like that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about. I that's mean, insane. And, and those two bad years weren't that bad. No, they really weren't. They weren't those season killers. They didn't murder you. No, you could have uh, survived sixteen if you picked up two of the like late round gems. They could have covered your four thirty seven, one twenty seven from Granky, yeah. and and you were filling in for thirty innings anyway because he was hurt uh, for some of that time too. So yeah, I think we're talking ourselves to at least uh, having Granky more front of mind. Let's see if it works in practice though because we're saying we should do it 
We kind of both know that we're probably not going yeah. to. Though. I mean, awesome. he's got he's got a max pick of eighty six. Like whoever got him at eighty six got just an absolute. Be doing backflips. Yeah, he has a low of thirty. So that was actually Zach Greinke in a fantasy draft. Yes, I was, thirty. Yeah. I can't get behind. <laughs> I, I, I'm here to say positive things about him for sure. Thirty, I cannot get behind. Seventy, even upwards of sixty, I can because if you put him next to Morton, um, who's who's at a sixty ADP. They're both old, so you can't use the old thing, mm-hmm. and then you're really bouncing back and forth. And who has the worst injury history? It's Morton by a landslide. So, yeah. um, Granky, don't be afraid, folks. Let's go out there. I'm going to practice what I preach. If he fits and, and he's right there with everything I'm going for, I'm not going to be afraid to take him. He's, I'm not going to be Especially eight. if you can get him as a starting pitcher three. Oh, my God. Like, imagine, yeah. like, starting Chris Sale, Paddock, and then grabbing Granky. That would be... I'm, Really nice trio where everything kind of complements, and then if you get yeah. sale to break out, or not break out, but but stay healthy, obviously, um, like that's I mean you're 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 so set up, and you can get you can get 600 innings there because they could cover the mm-hmm. 25 to 30 inning gap that Paddock may have um, with the other guys there. So that's really interesting. Um, I do like Granky, and uh, let's see if I, I practice what I preach at all. Let's talk about the two young bucks, Glasnow Severino. Glasnow got it going. Got it going, but then injury hit and and really kind of uh, derailed uh, what could have been an interesting season. His was a flexor strain, the the dreaded flexor strain that mm-hmm. is always fearful. But he finished the season on the mound in the playoffs. Yes, he he was tipping pitches and getting trash canned, um, but <laughs> he pitched in the playoffs. That's good, and actually pitched a bit in the regular season before that too. So, you know how much. Uh, of a f- big thing that is for me as far as injury goes that I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go into the season that glass now is healthy. I have come around on him a bit. I still don't rank him as high as everybody else, but I understand the utter excellence that this guy has. What do you see out of glass now in, in 2020 here? I think that's the problem is I, I really don't know. Like it just, I, as much as I love the skills and when he's going right uh, he is absolutely amazing. Uh, I just don't know what to expect in terms of, you know, he's obviously going to regress off of this, you know, the numbers we saw in, in the 60 innings last year. Sure. Like 178.89. Yeah, he's just, you know, he was insane uh, during that time. And like, I don't know what to project him for innings. Like in the projection systems are with me because, Depth charts has him for 166. Zips has him for 119. <laughs> like, That's a range, man. Like that, you know what was so sick though last year in those 60 and two thirds, six percent walk rate. Yeah, basically cut it in half, man. And we'd start this. We started to see some improvement with the raise down to 8.4 percent after he was traded over. He was a big walk guy. Glass now. That was always my thing. Show me that you cannot just give up free passes like crazy, and then I'll start to put some confidence in your ability. Because I, I like what he can, everything else he can do. He can miss bats and he has electric stuff, but you got to stop walking, guys. Okay, so he did it for eight point, uh, 8.4% for 55 and two thirds, but now you add on 60 and two thirds of a 6%. I'm starting to think that it's reasonable to project him at no higher than 9% on a walk rate mm-hmm. based on what he's done with the raise for glass now. Pair that with a high 20s, low 30s strikeout rate, it's that innings question mark. But he's that kind of guy who can really be an ace and win, 
you know, at least be part of a championship team for you big time. By the way, it turns out I'm actually right in line with the market. He's the 22nd. Oh, actually, no, a little bit. Uh, only haters above him. So he's a 21st pitcher. I have him 23rd, but I'm not as far off as I thought I was on glass now. I think I want to at least get him on on a team uh, you know a i team have of, a lot of teams <laughs> i might be done <laughs> i i think one one's one you know i'm not going to stock up everywhere because if another injury does hit and it's another 60 inning season that's a that's a hefty price to pay but i don't think i want to be left out if this goes the right way because it could be special like he he's incredible by the way he had a conversation with clevenger um on the momentum YouTube channel. I think Bauer, I don't know if it's his channel, if he like uh, runs it or, or just is very much in heavy association with them, but it's a lot of his stuff comes out on there. And it really looked like uh, with glass now and Clevenger talking, it was Derek Cardi and Eno. Um, and if, if you need to watch it, cause it, it's, it's basically those two having a conversation, but it's two guys having a conversation in real life about confidence and, and knowing that you belong. And I think glass now is really coming into his own at age 26. So if he can stay healthy, I uh, I understand the hype a bit more now. I, I I guess people were wish casting, which I've certainly been guilty of doing to players. Um, I thought it was more obvious to not wish cast quite as much because of those walk rates that we saw. But I do get it now, and uh, Glass now is is really intriguing. Is Severino going to return for a full season? Do you feel confident in that? And would you dare put him on the main event team again? Ah. <laughs> uh... I think we're going to get pretty close to a full season and I think he's going to be pretty darn good. Uh, that being said, uh, again, he's a guy I want a uh, more stable ace with. Yep. So yeah, like uh, I could see pairing him with Barrios or see pairing him with Paddock, uh, you know, see pairing him with Luis Castillo. But yeah, I, the, the problem is in almost every draft I've been in, I don't know that I've even gotten to share yet. Uh, someone else is higher on him than I am. Yep. Uh, which is weird for me. Here's the thing, too, with Severino. If you really, if you if you are obsessed with him, if this is your guy, you better start drafting early. Because the second he's out on the mound in the Grapefruit League, mm-hmm. throwing BBs, that price is going way up. And I could genuinely see him going in the Castillo to Paddock range, which is from 38 to 52. By the time April hit or uh, March hits, excuse me, and and if they get if he's out there, no no issues in spring whatsoever, and he's just pitching like we know Luis Severino can, that that price is is going to go in half, uh, pretty much. Uh, his sixty two ADP is going to be damn near in half, maybe a little bit higher than that, but uh, you know he's going to be just outside the top ten starters. So if you love if if you love Severino. Draft now and get your shares because they're going to be way too costly. Well, if you still love them, I guess you could pay that price, but it's going way up is my point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, so maybe I'll have to do it in my, uh, well, TGFBI. Here we come. There you go. Watch out, folks. Be careful with that uh, with that Severino. Don't let him linger too long for uh, Mason mm-hmm. to take him. All right, next group, the Cleveland Free three but now featuring texas and cincinnati because it's bauer <laughs> carrasco and kluber they're all going pretty close together i think bauer would have technically fit in the in the group ahead but i wanted to put the three cleveland guys with two former cleveland guys all together yeah bauer's at uh 85 actually they don't know they, they are in order 85 for bauer uh 98 for carrasco and 100 for kluber interesting 
season. I mean, they run the gamut on things last year. Bauer couldn't have, I couldn't have scripted it better. My fear over tinkering tinkers himself out of success. Couldn't a hundred percent Carrasco beats leukemia like a fucking badass uh, to come back. But obviously it threw a season up, you know, totally upside down. And so you didn't get all the fantasy goodness, but it didn't matter. You didn't care 1% because you really focused on his health unless you're a ghoul. And then Kluber starts slowly, which he's been apt to do, but never got the chance to turn it around because he got hit by a, by a batted ball that broke his arm. And then when he was rehabbing from that, I think he had an oblique. It was another injury. I'm going to look it up right now, but I believe it was an oblique. So then they just shelved him completely. Um, it's not saying what he had. I guess because he was already on the DL, it wouldn't have put him on the DL. Because I'm, I'm just looking at this um, uh, injury database here. So that is an interesting thing that could be missed on injuries is that if you're already on the IL, they're not going to list what else you have that would have kept you on the IL. But I think it was an oblique for Kluber. So we got these three guys all over the map right now. One in Cleveland, one in Cincy, one in Texas. Bauer, Carrasco, Kluber, who's your fave? And do you like these three at all? Mm. I'm making you pick a fave, but that's only out of the three. Do you even like this trio? I don't really like this trio. I think Bauer is my favorite. Uh, just because I kind of buy into the whole driveline thing and uh, them having, you know, driveline guys help him out on a daily basis. Maybe will help him keep him in check. But for those you know, that don't know, driveline part of the Cincinnati coaching crew now. Mm-hmm. And so, but I mean, I've made the comp, you know, that Trevor Bauer is the pitcher version of BJ Upton and uh, that can be disastrous for a pitching rotation. Uh, so, and I'm completely out on Corey Kluber. I just need to see it again. Like I, I know that like it, injuries really, really hurt him, but I, I need to see him back and healthy and uh, before I'm willing to take another shot. And as much as I love the story of Carlos Carrasco, I don't know that people are are, are taking into the fact that like he missed a lot of time last year and but he returned. He returned. I mean, he was in the bullpen. He wasn't pitching terribly well. Like, you know, a few bad. Like he, yeah, he wasn't pitching well at all, right? Not, I mean, uh, well, and I mean, he it was wasn't, giving up runs, was, but like, uh, so in September when he returned and he pitched exclusively out of the bullpen, still 17 strikeouts in 15 innings. We gave up four homers, and so he gave up 11 runs. But I'm not really worried about that. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Like I do. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's fantastic and. If he looks really, really good in spring training, I may kind of change my tune. But that's the thing. I, I think we can. Again, we we assume since he finished strong, we haven't heard anything about cancer returning. Mm-hmm. I don't see why we wouldn't, wouldn't just put him as a healthy guy until we see something to the contrary. If he's not, you know, making his innings markers in spring or or something like that. But otherwise, I'm going to go back to the well with Carrasco. I think that's a pretty fair price. Like I. I I get what you're saying in theory, but I, I'm I'm not too worried just because he did finish pitching, and we haven't heard a peep that, that there's trouble brewing mm-hmm. with it or anything. And and we've seen guys, you know, John Lester had his cancer scare. He beat cancer. Yep. And he's been his, you know, he's been he's doing been his fantastic. thing. Rizzo, Rizzo yep. beat it, and and so you know, I I think if if the worst luck ever hits and it comes back, and I'm not okay. even saying like I think it's gonna come back. I just you never know how that some is go- that 
you know, cancer treatments are going to affect someone physically. True, true. That 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 that's a fair point. Even if it's not cancer specifically, yeah. just the, the treatments and whatnot. Um, but here's to hoping. You know, it, it was. I, it, I, it really yeah. was a great story that he returned. And and I, you know, I wish him all the best. He's been one of my favorite pitchers. I mean, if anybody is so fun. To me, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been my guy for a really really long time. I'm just very I'm being very tentative about it. Uh, and I want to see him on the mound and see him pitching well before I'm I'm willing to put him on any of my teams. And so I have no shares at this point, but I'll be watching him very, very closely come, you know, come his first few starts uh, in spring training. All right. Well, we got two more guys here and they had um, massive 2019s, but can they maintain? And it's Sonny Gray and Mike Soroka. And uh, they did it a little bit differently. Gray, you know, this was another one where the the narrative played out exactly how was expected by those who were buying back in. He mm-hmm. pitched really well on the road with New York. He had some comments about how they were coaching him, and I guess they were really only getting in his ear about how to pitch in New York or or just the ballpark or whatever. It was weird that he had such a split season, but for whatever reason, he just didn't vibe with what was going on in New York. Gets over to um, Cincinnati with Derek Johnson, who was his coach at Vanderbilt. They dive in and say, these two breaking balls you have, your slider and your curve, you need to be using both of them 20-plus percent, and that could be your uh, your ticket. And by golly, it sure was, man, because not only did he get back to those uh, 2015 ratios when he threw 273-108, and uh, this year it was a 287-108, but he had uh, – core skill back up to go with it with a strikeout rate of 29%. Walk rate was a little high at 10%, but I have no problem with that when you're striking out 30% of your guys. Amazing uh, 193 average against. I Not getting a 255 BABIP again. Probably not getting an 80% left on base rate. So we're, we're going to peel the numbers back a little bit, but a mid threes and a 115 whip from Sonny Gray, I would take that all day. And I buy at least some of the strikeout gains. He went from 21% to 29 i'll probably put him closer to 24 but i'm taking that that's almost a strikeout per inning generally speaking how do you feel about gray after his big 19 Ooh, uh this is hard because this is a guy that i haven't liked very much and very often uh and often he has proved me wrong uh in you know it's it's watching him pitch and his mechanics <laughs> i get just worried dude's gonna fall apart uh, at any at any given moment he's a uh, slight he's a slight gent yeah, and just not the cleanest of deliveries, and sure. Uh, and so I just I, I worry for the day that like the, the comp I made on him a few years ago was like he reminds me a lot of Tim Lincecum, I, and I knew where you're going right when you said it. Yeah, and it just I worry that at some point the body gives out on him. That being said, I mean he was he was fantastic last year. Uh, it definitely got lucky uh, in, in certain regards. Like I think the home run rate is coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the walk rate come up a little bit and maybe the strikeouts take a, a small regression. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty in line, I think with the projection systems, which for the most part have them at like a three, eight ERA and, uh, a strikeout an inning and, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent whip, you know, one, two, five, mostly kind of. something in the one twenties. Yeah. A couple of the yeah. systems have them at one thirty, but that, you know, that's a couple base hits from being in the under 130. As long as you're under 130, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're not really hurting. But once you get beyond that, um, I, I think it's fair to have trepidation. I do like you know you mentioned that you like 
Bauer getting uh, drive line, and he gets Derek Johnson now too. By yeah. the way, not that he's going to listen to many coaches, but uh, you know, yeah. it's one of the more renowned ones who might have some ideas that uh, that Bauer's interested in. But I like that factor f- that's going to continue for Sonny Gray. And so, like I said, you know, I, I I've got the ERA and WHIP a bit lower, but that means even if I'm just a little bit lower on both, that means that the projections are very much a reasonable potential outcome. So I'm okay with that though because. Pick 102, you got to have a little bit of – there is a more wide range of outcomes for uh, for somebody like that. So I'm fine with that for Sonny Gray. I have no problem. And he's more – if I get him, I get him. I'm not targeting, but I'm certainly not running from him either. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like I think I have him – let's see. I've got him ranked 33rd. Okay, let me see where I've got him. I have Gray at 24, so I'm actually – maybe I am – going out and getting he's going to shuffle a little bit like i said moving nola up moving Barrios yeah. and paddock up but i think uh, he's going to move up too in my ranks because i haven't updated since uh paxton went down oh yeah that's um right. paxton. so yeah i've probably got to do an update here in the next few days or something like that maybe i'll do an update for next week uh when we do our next episode uh on uh on starting pitching so i could he's probably going to bump up to about 30 for me okay that's Which that's fair. Feels fair. Like it, it, like he's a guy that probably is not going to end up on a lot of my teams just because I have this some sort of grudge against him. But <laughs> like, there's no real rationale to it. Uh, that, that's I, market. You said thirty for mm-hmm. for great. Um, I actually made a mistake earlier. I said we we're getting to the top thirty-five. It's actually top thirty. I forgot to exclude the relievers. But it is going to be a nice round number there at thirty when we finish with. Soroka after this so um, that means Gray's at 29 you said 30 you're right there with the market then you're not uh, you're not going overboard on the big season but you're also not saying you can't possibly do this again so I think that that's fair and we'll and we'll see where it kind of comes out because uh, you know it's going to be an interesting season after such a huge run that was more statistically backed up than his 2015 run for Gray back in Oakland all right let's finish with Soroka he's definitely somebody who has the two camps of proponents and detractors and it all comes down to the fact that he doesn't strike out guys you know it's it's the it's the Kyle Hendricks story you know that type of deal not to the same degree though he throws much harder but these guys that don't strike people out scare fantasy players like crazy and I think sometimes it gets a bit overblown Soroka though age 21 goes a 174 and two-thirds with a 268 111 ERA whip combo but just a 20 percent strikeout rate so that was 142 strikeouts last year. Like that's not that's not great. And you can't lead. You certainly can't lead a um, a rotation with that. But you need like you're behind in strikeouts once you take him. You know, even if he's your three with Soroka, unless you got two of the big dogs talking 220 plus. You're probably trailing a little bit unless you get like Cole or Verlander, although there's no guarantees that they go for 300 again. So you're a little bit behind there, but the ratio should still be good, even if it's not 268, 111 again. I guess my question is just open. What do we expect in 2020 from from a 22-year-old Soroka? I think more of the same. I, I think what he did last year, I mean, obviously there could be a little bit of regression uh, in the home run rate, but I don't think it's massive. Uh, like I see Steamer giving him like a one one six home run uh, homer for nine, and I just don't see it. Like I just think he his stuff neutralizes uh, you know the power hitters, and mm-hmm. uh, 
I feel like he is very safe. And like you said, I, I, I un, like there is uh, you obviously kind of fall behind with the strikeouts with him, but to me, he is kind of a high end SP three, and that's where I want him. Uh, yeah, I mean that you're you're sitting pretty if you get Soroka as your three because you well, there's almost no world where you don't have two strikeout gods. Yeah, you of. just can't pair them with Granky. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can't or... go Granky Soroka Hendricks. <laughs> yeah, so like that would be disastrous. But like especially if you go get one of those riskier, like he's great to pair with Chris Sale, and I think isn't that what we did in labor? Um, yes, we did. Indeed. We went, we went sale Castillo and then Soroka. Like, I feel great about the start of that rotation. Like, so like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have lots of shares of Soroka. Cause I feel like, especially in some drafts, he just drops and drops and drops. Mm-hmm. And in those drafts, he's going to end on my team. His max pick is 146. You have yeah. to get all the way down to Lance Lynn before there is a, uh, a pitcher, a starting pitcher with a larger max pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's just drafts where they just keep punting on Soroka, and and mm-hmm. they're really nervous. And I I don't think it's well founded. I really don't like plan plan for, you know, why don't we plan for a strikeout rate like that the way we do any other deficiency? Like mm-hmm. when we take a Joey Gallo, which we know we have to plan for, or a Rabbit base stealer. Like just plan around it, dude. Yeah. Because I do think that the ratios. I understand the. Because it's, it's a trickle effect, right? Not only are you not getting strikeouts, but you're putting the ball in play more, which opens up your potential volatility, which opens up the range of outcomes. I get that. But his stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. And for Soroka, you know, even if you look at projections, they're, they're ranging from 332 zips to 411 steamer. That's a, that's a wider range. That it accentuates my point perfectly. Even if you got the 411 and 129, you would not love that for 189 innings. No. But it's not really damaging you to the point where you can't win. Like it's not prohibitive, prohibiting you from winning your league. You yep. can you can draft around that pretty easily. In fact, you probably should have drafted somebody in the later rounds who outproduces and covers that deficit that you've given back there with a round ten pick, which was when we took Soroka. So I don't really see him as being particularly risky. We also had Diaz, uh, Edwin Diaz, and Ken Giles getting a boatload of strikeouts as relievers mm-hmm. to cover Soroka before we got him as well. So I felt great about where we slotted him in. And generally, I feel good about him. Anything at, at his average pick of 108 and later, I'm in. I'm not, I don't think I'm doing a double-digit pick with him because there will be somebody else I like a little bit more. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm cool with where he's currently going. So, um, well, that's it. That's the top 30 right now. And uh, I felt that, you know, spending more time on the, the guys outside of the top five or six – was the right way to go here. And then the next one, it won't quite be the, the breakdown of, of outfielders where we went, you know, three hours on the second version, but it will be a, a bigger second. It, actually, pitchers might be three pieces. We might, we might do three parts for pitchers. We might need to. And, I mean, you know, Monday will be the start of TGFBI, so we'll be stoked to, you know, talk, talk about, about that for sure. Talk about yep. that for sure. And then, uh, yeah, so. Uh, do, we have yeah. To, do we have to make a call to the to the pen? To bring somebody in for one of those episodes, perhaps the next one. Should I get should I get picture list on the horn? Yeah, I think that would be fun. I think that's like a I don't know what's it called a brilliant idea to get Nick I, on. 
I think that's a fantastic idea. So let me see what his availability is on we Monday. I haven't even talked to him about it, but we're gonna we we're gonna say do three episodes <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get through like twenty more pictures. If you hear but... Nick's voice on Monday, you know that you're getting a third part of mm-hmm. uh, of, of pitching pods because uh, you know get the three of us going and yeah we're getting through 20 guys no we'll have to try to get through like 40 but uh we'll we'll put some time in on monday and that's when that episode will come out this is going to come out on thursday morning so we're recording wednesday night you'll get it thursday morning we'll have our next episode on monday and then back on normal schedule for a while there i was out of town but i'm excited to keep talking pictures i'm excited for tgfbi by the way great work that you're doing with um putting everything into the uh the charities you said there's two charities this year that you're donating the money to you want to give some run to those charities yeah so one is going to be uh the ruthie lou foundation and they're a foundation that uh supports parents that have lost uh babies uh and this is an organization that uh uh means a lot to me because me and my wife lost uh, uh two children uh late in pregnancy uh, and they were they were born too early to survive, and, and they were huge supports uh, to us. So we're going to donate half of the proceeds uh, to that, and then the other half is actually going to be winner's choice. Oh, this year. That, that's awesome! I mean, that, so, that's, that's fantastic. So I'll let you know. I can tell you the I can tell you the charity now if you want, or if you just want yeah. to wait to, for the formality. Yeah. Well, we can wait for the formality. Yeah, no, let's see how let's wait. Just but I'll, just I'll be analyzing. Think there's any, yeah. Anything. Yeah, I'll be analyzing the charities that I'm going to pick because I'm winning it this year. I have to. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to do that. Now, I'm really excited for the TGFBI. You did a great job with it, man. Uh, or you're doing a great job with it. It's going, it's ongoing. And uh, we got our picks today. There's so much excitement for it. You've now created two industry leagues, dude. That's huge. You've got yeah, a West Coast weird, right? <laughs> industry league with Barf. Um, you know, which is very cool to have something on the West Coast. We focus a lot on the East Coast. We're we're going out to New York in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So you've got Barf, and now you have a nationwide, industry wide league in TGFBI that grew after a banner year last year. So you're really kicking butt with that, dude. And hats off to you to be able to organize all that. I can't speak highly enough for how impressive uh, it is and how impressed I am by you. So great work, dude. I'm really, really excited for this year's drafts. They're going to be a lot of fun. And I can't, you know what I'm most excited for is the people complaining about how slow their drafts going. (laughs) Have you seen that tweet that's been going around like, you know, won't be a thing next year, you know, uh, will still be a thing. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that meme format. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. So I, my mind uh, will still be a thing was people complaining about slow drafts. 100%. It's yeah. in the fucking name, dude. <laughs> now, I get it. Don't take eight hours every pick or four hours, whatever the limit is. Don't take full limit. Be respectful of people's time if you have the pick and you have the means to get it done. But if you are working a nine to five and you're just not near your phone for six hours, people need to shut the hell up. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> and, and like I've had um, unfortunate issues at times where like my pick will come up early in the morning, like seven o'clock and I'm sleeping. So Mm -hmm. I do let four hours run before I kind of get onto it. I'm never going to intentionally look at it and say, Oh, I'm up and then put the phone down or put the walk away from the computer and not pick. And I think that's the way for most people. You're in a slow draft. We're going to get it done. I understand we all want to pick, but keep the griping to a minimum, please guys. Cause it gets pretty nauseating. And I end up, there's no benefit to finishing first. If anything, there's a benefit to being the slowest draft. Correct. So, you get more information, dude. This right. could benefit you, this dude taking too long, because then your pick comes up, some news strikes, and boom. You, mm-hmm. you, yeah, that's a great point. There is no prize for being the first draft done. I know we all want to make our picks, but some of the folks who get 
to complain in, I end up hating them way more than the guy who's taking forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, before we uh, before we sign off here, uh, just want to promote something real quick. Uh, Friends Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide. I've been talking about it, uh, but we're doing a giveaway. Oh. So if uh, if you buy the PDF, which you can do. Uh, by emailing me, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com. The PDF is $7. Uh, if you buy it before the end of the week, you will be entered in to win uh, a free Rotoware t-shirt. Oh. Um, and Rotoware is matching it. So we're going to have two yes. winners. Uh, so, yeah, two people will win Rotoware t-shirts this Do week. Do they get to pick or does it have to be one of your... No, I, they get I to think... pick. Oh, yes. I think it yes, should. I, should I, I think it should be one of your Justin. Yeah, well, I want people to actually buy the the, the draft guide, <laughs> not be like, oh, free roto. Uh, oh, it's gonna have. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I was guess, just I on would... Rotoware uh, and checking out uh, the, the Justin Mason shirts I hadn't bought yet, and and realized the Baby Yoda Justin Mason is only a women's tank top. Oh my god! So effort. Oh my! Yeah, I was like, oh, I can't wait to buy. It. Wait a second. Wait a minute. You know what? You should still buy it. I'm I'm thinking about it. And then we can see you wearing it uh, as a tank top. I think that's actually a great idea. Um, you could also pick the Charlotte shirt, folks. Um, there was a shirt made after my dog Charlotte. It's a purple shirt because uh, that's it's made for my Twitch stream and the Twitch colors are purple and white. So it's the Charlotte Charlottes made in the uh, in the idea of like a minor league team. Um, I just can't say enough about the work that uh, that Rotoware does. It's mm -hmm. it's so freaking impressive. They really really kill it over there. So um, that's awesome that you're doing that. And good luck to the winners because you're gonna get a badass shirt. They fit brilliantly. It'll become your favorite shirt. If you don't have any Rotoware shirts right now, it will become your favorite shirt, and you'll wear the hell out of it because they are they're, ridiculously comfortable. Yeah, they're so great. Like you. Like, you know, as much as don't you know, I want people to buy the draft guide, all that, that great stuff, please do it. You can get one, it on Amazon as well if you if you prefer, like, an actual hard copy. Uh, but ultimately, like, the Rotoware does such great work. Like, I'm so just, like, it's literally all I own in terms of T-shirts now. It, like, the, my, my stock of them, it's like this and one other shirt company I, I buy my shirts from, and it's like, that's that's all I want to wear. And then he puts out, he's so... It's one guy, by the way, who does mm -hmm. it. Rotoware is one guy, which makes it all the more impressive. And he puts out new ones all the time. And I'm like, hey, I do have to eat, you know. You could chill out on the amazing work. And I know mm -hmm. we're gassing him. I know he made our shirt, our Sleeper in the Bus shirt, which you could also get. Um, but I'm gassing him for a reason because it's excellent. And it's really, really impressive what he does there. And uh, I'm happy to to say that mm -hmm. he's done work for us, and that um, I, I promote him till till the end, man. If you if you like yep. cool T-shirts, you got to get RotoWare for sure. So join your contest. How do they join it? Uh, all they got to do is order the PDF, and they're automatically in. Oh, so, so they don't even so, have to like tweet you yep. that they ordered it. Okay, fantastic. No, nope, they just ju just you know when you order the PDF, you're going to email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail dot com. Uh, as soon as you uh, PayPal me the seven dollars. Uh, I automatically put you in the drawing, going to draw over the weekend, announce on Monday. Uh, and if you order the book instead because you want the book, just send me an email of the receipt and I'll, I'll add you into the drawing. And if you've already ordered, you, then you're already in. 
So. All right. Well, there you go. So you are you don't have to only do it at this point. You're already entered if you bought it. Hit yep. me with a link um, after after a show. I'll put it in the show notes if you guys want to go get that guide there. Uh, but it's, you got to check it out. And if you love Justin's work here, obviously you're going to love him coordinating and being a part of the huge guide that he does there with Friends with Fantasy Benefits. So that's going to wrap us up. We will be back next week talking pictures. Nick, if you listen to this, you're on Monday's show now. I didn't even tell you beforehand. This yeah. is you finding out that you're on Monday's show. So clear your schedule, buddy. But uh, Justin, great talking with you again, and I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.